Where would one learn about slushy stop? Not from a Jedi. Hello and welcome back to the second to last episode of our series here on Slushy Stop, where we are going through the Star Wars episodes one through six, one by one, just having casual conversations around them, leading up to our grand finale, where we are going to play Trivial Pursuit against each other to see who is the master of maybe pointless Star Wars information. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wh- whose mind holds the most useless, the, the largest quantity of useless information? I mean, needless to say, my knowledge of Star Wars hasn't gotten me, you know, further in my career or anything, but hey. <laughs> Who's the bombad bestest know. at Star Wars trivia? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, that was, Joe, that, Joe. that was pretty good. That was good. Bombad. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Your ears are welcome for that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. So yes, uh, I am Nathan, joined once again by Alex and Jake, and today we are talking about Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith, which unlimited uh, power. <laughs> yes, uh, I was going to say. I feel like after watching the movie. It's it's funny how it's kind of like return for me that it has some of maybe the best moments of the trilogy but also some of the worst moments as well. I think we can uh, all agree it's the most meme-worthy of all of the prequels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that's fair. Granted there were memes weren't a thing in 2005, but watching it today meme-worthy. Definitely the most meme-worthy of the 3. Definitely. Yes, you could you can mine a lot out of that one, for sure. A lot of gems. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and jump right on in and talk about this hot mess. Although it's not quite as much of a mess as maybe some of the others, but like I said, it has its it has its highs and its lows, for sure. I'm going to go ahead. Um, it's definitely my favorite of the prequels. And I know that's not really like a controversial take. I know that's like how everybody feels. But I'm, it's definitely, like, definitely hands down. The most tolerable to me of one, two, and three, despite and, its shortcomings. And I mean, can you attribute to that that to anything in particular? Well, of the three, it makes the most sense. So I'll start there. Um, there is a like pretty straightforward plot line um, versus like <clears throat> I don't find myself literally like asking what is going on like in attack of the clones multiple times um Mm -hmm. so i i I think it has an easy to like the plot is pretty simple and at least by this point we're not we're mostly not being introduced to new characters grievous maybe um but for the most part it's like um pretty (laughs) i'm sorry you can't no no we just saw Jake get up and spray his pug with a squirt bottle. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's the only way to make them stop barking. His so, pug was being bombad. <laughs> bombad doggy. Um, but no, and, and I think it's like it's a, it's a, it's a pretty beautiful movie. I think in terms of just graphically, there are a lot of shots in it that I, I could just you know I 
I just like looking at them, as stupid as that sounds. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just think it's uh, I just think it's 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 mostly, it's definitely by and far the my favorite of the prequels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say for me, you know, I agree that it's definitely probably my favorite of the prequels, and so I was trying to figure out why, and I think it basically comes down to a couple things. That one, yes, from a technical standpoint, they do some good things as far as kind of letting the story breathe at times. Like, it's not just constantly going, going, going. It does have mm-hmm. a couple of scenes where it lets off for a second, lets you kind of sit there and, you know, glide for a little bit before it then goes into the next scene. Like, I'm thinking in particular that moment where you're seeing. Uh, Anakin hanging out in the Jedi Temple and Padme at the apartment and Mm -hmm. like it's just there's there's just music there's the shots there's not a whole lot of there's no dialogue or anything like that it's just letting you really kind of absorb the tension that -hmm. they're dealing with in that moment and letting you really kind of feel it too Um, so just some really good point that out because that that's that's one of my favorite shots from at least the prequels maybe all six like that it's in my top five not necessarily because i like those actors but because of what's happening in that moment and like you have the sunset and like obviously there's it's a metaphorical sunset on the republic as well as you know a literal sunset on coruscant so it's not jam-packed with dialogue it's not some big elaborate thing filled with you know as much as possible and it's just this very simple very somber um moment where kind of the gravity if you followed the story from four five and six and then through one two and three the gravity of this moment is allowed to kind of stand alone um without telling you how big of a moment this is and uh that's funny that you mentioned that because that's that's one of those shots that I, I would say I just I love every time I watch the this movie I love that moment. Mm-hmm. And then and then I would say the other thing that I guess I enjoy about this movie more is the character the characters in it to me feel more human. Uh huh. Because you know leading up to this I mean take like Obi Wan for example you know he comes off just very boring and straight-faced all the time i mean you have that brief moment in episode one when qui-gon dies where he kind of lets loose a little bit but otherwise he's very stoic and just everyone just very cardboard and stiff they just don't feel human at all until you get to this one where you have a lot of people acting on emotion and you know just acting just just being very relatable in different Mm -hmm. ways you can really follow kind of their logic even though you could argue that Anakin's logic kind of maybe goes to the extreme a bit, but uh, but otherwise you at least feel for their situation uh, as opposed to some of the other ones where you're just kind of very distant and almost just you're, you're just not connected, really, it, it seems like. So, yeah. so those would be the big things for me, but uh, I know, Jake, you've been kind of quiet up till this point. Uh, what What is your take? Um... I don't know like for me i struggle to say that it's the best of the prequels that i mean that said you know like i've said previously 
I like episode one a lot, but there's no like justification, I guess, for the flaws in that movie, and there are a plethora of them. Uh, I just sort of like it despite those. My thing with this one is a lot of the scenes, while really good, are very difficult for me to watch either because of the overabundance of CGI. Like, I, I don't need CGI clone troopers. You know, like, you know, when they're on Kashyyyk and, you know, they do order six. Order 66 is executed or whatever and you know the ones walk up to Yoda and he beheads them like in that that instance like I get it Uh, you know you use a digital model um, for that scene because you obviously can't really cut a real person's head off Um, at least not do it on set and get away with it that wouldn't end well Um, but there are other instances where the, the clone troopers are CGI and it just it to me it looks weird so it's just like little little stupid things that they they did digitally that i just don't understand um and then apart from that it's i think even despite the uh you know i hate sand like that whole line from attack of the clones i think hayden christensen's performance in this movie is probably i don't want to use the word worse because that seems rude but I think it's a bit weaker than Attack of the Clones a lot of the time, hmm. particularly in the scene that he finally turns. Like when I went back and rewatched this movie before recording this, uh, I was really dreading watching it specifically because of that scene. I made the good choice of watching it with the commentary and it made it much more bearable. But just watching it by itself, like it's just painful for me because it's so <laughs> just weird and... I don't know. It's hard to describe. Like the line that like kills a, me. He's supposed to be like twenty four, and he's acting like he's twelve. You know, what have I done? Like, I think the line what? that causes me the most cringe is, and not just for saving your skin for the tenth time. Like when they it, yeah, that dude. that line is cringe worthy. Well, and it's really strange to me because at times. You know, in in both in Attack of the Clones, you don't get a whole lot of Obi Wan and Anakin together. But the little that you do get, you very, you can very much see like master and apprentice, you know, student and teacher. Like I'm not your friend, I'm your mentor, mm-hmm. and it works. But they still have some you know friendly commentary back and forth. And then all through this movie, when they are together, like the chemistry is there, and then suddenly it's just not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Some of their banter hits perfectly, and others, it's like, why didn't you just do one more take? Mm-hmm. Just one more, and you would have had it. You were almost there, but that's a I good don't point. Know, I, I don't think there's just great chemistry between you um, and McGregor and Hayden Christensen. Like they just don't seem to play off of one another really well. Um, and I don't know why that is, or you know, whatever. But I agree that there are it. It's it feels like two guys playing parts in a movie versus like guys who were are really having a good time and working together, you know, working well together and all that. And and don't get me wrong, there are things about this movie that suck. Um, and in fact, yeah. rewatching it this time, something that Nate and I both said about Attack of the Clones that I noticed again is that. I'm like watching the movie and 
immersed in the movie up until a point. And it's like weirdly, once again, like in Attack of the Clones, when the when like we reach the climax of the storyline and the plot and the action ramps up, that's when the movie to me seems to lose um my attention, lose my interest. It's like I'd say like the first three quarters of the movie I really like. And then when it gets to the point where you have Yoda facing Palpatine and Anakin and Obi-Wan fighting and like Jimmy Schmidt running around in the blockade runner, like that's when I go, ah, like, okay, let's, let's get, it's like George Lucas wanted to make it's like I know this is a monumental turning point in the film, but we don't have to spend like the last hour laboring over all these details. Like, let's get to some conclusion, especially since we know what's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah, it yeah, almost like feels Order, like Order sixty six is cool, but it takes so long, and I just don't understand it. Like, you know, you mentioned uh, Jimmy Schmidt. Like, you see him go to uh, to the the temple and land and ask what's going on and the clones make him leave and then he sees the Jedi the Jedi kid get killed and he like screams no and that seems really weird to me because you've got someone that doesn't know what's going on and there's nothing in that quick little scene to imply that this isn't just some random Jedi gone rogue you know what I mean it's true so like there's not really any justification for his like he, it seems it the way it's done. It seems as though he's just assuming that the Jedi are still good. When, for all he knows, they could have been, could have gone bad or whatever. So it's just, it's but, really odd to me. But the clone troopers draw their guns on them, so clearly they've gone bad now. They're bad. Maybe. <laughs> um. But speaking of Order sixty six, though, that's another one of those scenes, like the actual montage where you just have the music playing. While you're mm-hmm. watching the different Jedi getting taken out across the galaxy, that's just that's a that's another great sequence for me. Uh, just I mean, obviously part of that is John Williams, mm-hmm. just you know, wonderful heartbreaking score. But just the fact that they let the visuals do the talking for that whole time, they didn't have to try to spell things out. They just let yeah let that do its thing, and it did it so well. Up until yes, Jimmy, the whole Jimmy Smiths thing. Um, I love that we just continue calling him by his name. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I love that. I, I love that he. I mean, there are parts of the Order sixty six thing that are cool, and I mean, like you said, I mean, I like the aspect of there's not a lot of exposition. You just sort of see it happen, and it is like I remember seeing it the first time, and that was gut wrenching. Like you're watching all of these characters that regardless of how major a role they've had yeah you know growing up a kid who was a super fan of star wars seeing plo coon's uh you know jedi starship get shot down was like no yeah that guy was so cool he had that mask that did whatever it did and i'm pretty sure his lightsaber was orange that's so cool and now he's gone yeah we never even got to hear him talk and what always gets me though like i'm as undignified as it may be for the clone troopers to be taking out Jedi, what gets me the most, though, is kind of how pathetic the other Jedi are that yes. go with Mace to arrest Palpatine. Like, make any sense, the one dude, guy but... just gets stabbed and he's down. Then the, then, uh, <gasps> crap, I, 
Yeah, it's it's CC10, Kit Fisto, and... Uh, oh, Kit Fisto. Yeah, at I least he puts up a little bit of a fight, but still, he looks like he doesn't know what's happening, then all of a sudden he's dead, and it's just like... What the yeah, crap? Dude, you've got <laughs> you've got these four four dudes that are all on the Jedi Council because they apparently deserve to be there, and only one of them you know makes it any significant time. One other one puts up a little bit of a fight, and then the other two are just gone, and it doesn't make any sense. What also what also is weird to me is the fact that Palpatine has a lightsaber in the first place, because to just me up, just up his sleeve. Yeah, well, not just that, but it's like what we know about Palpatine, the fact that he's like this great manipulator and everything, he doesn't strike me as the warrior type that has a lightsaber, that he uses manipulation so masterfully that he never has to fight, and if worse comes to worse, yeah, he shoots somebody with lightning, and that takes care of it. Like, he seems like the kind of person that shouldn't have a lightsaber. I mean, obviously growing up, he would have been trained... It seems a little one. below his character, I think. Mm-hmm. That's that. All of that said, I agree with you. But his lightsaber hilt is really freaking cool looking. <laughs> it's all like isn't it gold and stuff? It's partially gold and silver, and it has this like cool ornate crap that wraps around it. I don't know. It looks like a real, you know, like Egyptian artifact or something, and mm. it's cool. I dig it. Yes, it's cool looking. But that aside. The whole that so that whole fight between him and Mace, and then later on him against Yoda, it just it's just so uncharacteristic to me, and it just it, it takes me out of the movie in all honesty. Especially when he's like doing little flips and everything too, just like Yoda. It's like no, he's an old man; he shouldn't be doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, an old man that is has been scarred and deformed. <laughs> but a lot of my problem with this movie like the previous two as i've said in the last two episodes comes from palpatine yeah we still don't really get very good idea of his motivations i mean obviously you know he wants to take over the galaxy duh but like his plan is like this brilliant plan that he's concocted and it is it's brilliant but we still don't exactly know what it is like what parts of this story did he plan to happen and which parts just did and also like so so that was one of the things that i wanted to mention you know uh, the basically the catalyst for anakin turning was padme like obviously you know he's had all this trouble with the, the jedi holding him back and you know palpatine sort of pushing him forward and kind of pushing him to rebel against the jedi so he's all angsty about that already but the catalyst for this whole thing is padme so my big question here and you guys may answer may may have the answer it may just be something that i've missed what if padme wasn't actually going to die like you know yoda says at one point um i believe in attack of the clones you know hard to see the future is whatever so why would anakin be able to see to the future to see his wife die if the dark side has shrouded everything so well, if we use just, Last like, Jedi like, logic, did, then Palpatine planted those visions in his mind. Exactly. But if that's the case, that is such a cool idea. Why aren't we told that explicitly so I'm not sitting here like fr- so frustrated about it? Because that was, that was the big thing that I wanted to talk about for this this episode was, yeah. you know, that's, that's the reason we have Darth Vader is because Palpatine 
uh, Padme was going to die. It's it's goes but back. But what if she wasn't actually going to die? It's just like, like what we did, said. What, what if she hadn't? When we talked about the Phantom Menace, this movie is either so freaking brilliant that you have to watch it over and over and over again to see how brilliant it is. And George Lucas is either so brilliant that he that he created such a genius plan that idiots like me can't see it on first glance or it is a jumbled mess. And I don't know. And I don't know. And that's the thing. Like, I don't know. Um, but you're right. And if we look at last Jedi logic, then this is something we know Sith Lords have the ability to do. So is that what was going on? I, I I'm stuck on the opening sequence did did Sidious tell Grievous to abduct Palpatine, i.e. himself? Like what what happened? What was that his Well my, my assumption <laughs> there is that Grievous would know that that Palpatine is Sidious because Dooku knows. And that's why when, you know, uh Palpatine orders well, orders uh Anakin to kill Dooku, um, you know, Dooku sort of looks to him in that moment of shock like but wait wait what this wasn't part of the plan but why doesn't he say he knows he has like a whole minute there where he can be like but wait he's the real sith lord yeah or or you know but you promised me this and then anakin might stop be like wait what but well then then it kind of goes back to but it goes back to alex's theory about well was dooku actually trying to usurp uh Palpatine and everything and so and did Palpatine, Palpatine find him out and then him saying kill him now is Palpatine saying I'm oh, I'm on to you and that's why he's so shocked because he thought he'd been doing it in secret is that what's going on because if so again that's brilliant that's amazing <laughs> just tell us but like, just let us know yeah and then well and my thing is like watching it this time I'm thinking so Palpatine arranges for himself to be abducted by Grievous so that um, Anakin... Because there's a brief moment where when Anakin leaves uh, Jimmy Smith's or Smith, whatever his name is, when he leaves that guy because he sees Padme waiting for him behind the pillar, there's that throwaway line of like, I haven't seen you in months, but it feels like whatever. I didn't think they'd ever bring us back from the Outer Rim. And so knowing that people don't write things um, into movies for nothing, like that was a planted line that's supposed to mean something. So I'm like, okay, so that line exists to tell us that the point of the Palpatine abduction was to bring Anakin back from the Outer Rim to put him back into close proximity to Padme so that Palpatine could take advantage of his vulnerability, which is Padme, so, in order to do that, he has himself abducted, but then how in the world does he know that Anakin and Obi-Wans are going to be the ones sent on the mission to save him? Or does he just assume that the Jedi are going to, like, like pull everybody back to Coruscant for this mission? Well, I think, or I it's, think probably, one, it's, it's probably something where he, he'll either get saved by the Jedi, or he'll get away, and then somehow escape and make it back or something like that i mean he'll he'll figure i'm sure he as the master manipulator he has it planned out you know three steps in advance yeah that or you know 
he just he knows by this point that Anakin and Obi Wan are um, sort of you know famous at, by this point yeah. uh, of the Clone Wars. You know they they're the best. Everybody knows they're the best. If you have you or know, maybe he the, ordered the worst possible mission. Those are the two that you want to send. Or maybe he ordered the Separatists to pull their punches, just like the Empire ordered those on the Death Star to let them go, because he wanted them to get there safely, and wanted them to save him. So, and what we see, thought you know, was just you know, you know what a big problem with all of this is that that Clone Wars cartoon that we all love so much is not canon anymore, because that explained all of it. <laughs> this but is true. No. <laughs> so on that segue, let's talk about Grievous. There are before we move on, I, there are I, I too want to add a couple of things. Number one, the Jedi are the stupidest bunch of morons that have ever existed, um, and I'll back that up if you want. But for now, I'm just going to keep moving. Number two, I appreciate that Padme lives in the same place that she lived in Episode Two. I thought that was some like, I thought that was some nice continuity. Um, where they could have like kept upping the ante and make like they she lives in the same place as the same window that Obi Wan jumps through. You get to look at same it. Same bedroom that they sleep in now. Same yeah. And then number three, good segue. Like, where do the other Jedi live and why doesn't anyone find it mysterious that Anakin leaves that every Anakin's evening? Does there. like does he clock out at five I've and then go it. and then like <laughs> does everyone go home at the end of the night? How does this freaking work? I've thought about that too. Yeah, I've thought about that too. I thought like, they all lived there. Yeah, they're all supposed to live there, like like monks. And yeah, I've, every time I watch the movie now, I, I'm conscious of that. Like, doesn't anyone notice that he's uh, never there? Missing? Also, that Padme's pregnant. Like, so he sneaks away. He's gone. There are there no paparazzi on Coruscant because I'm pretty sure that like Anakin and Obi Wan are like two of the biggest celebrities in the universe. Padme's a super celebrity. Someone's yeah, definitely. She, she was a she was a queen at 14, and ever since then, someone has wanted to kill her. Of yeah, course, she's a celebrity. Like, someone's <laughs> going to snap a photo of them, like you know, making out on the balcony or whatever it is. Her combing her hair. Like, come on, come on. <laughs> no, this this is a more advanced. Uh, civilization that you know doesn't uh, divulge themselves with that kind of smut. They don't have fake what, what news. Would, what what would tabloids be be like on Curzon? Like every, every week, would it just be a new like? This is who's trying to kill Padme now. <laughs> First, it was the Viceroy of the Trade Federation. Now it's Chancellor Valorum because he's butt hurt that he lost his job. Now it's Palpatine because. Palpatine. Now it's a giant space slug and an asteroid. On the mountain power. Can you imagine that? Have Jar Jar Binks, a secret plot to kill the senator so he can take her job. <laughs> It'd be um, excellent. Yeah, those those are just a couple of things that I watching watching this time around. I was like, what? What? what hold on. Like, hold on. This doesn't make any sense. Um, also, I love that Anakin drives a different speeder every time we see him. So, like, is he just constantly stealing people's speeders, or is this like, is this like one of those services like with scooters now in cities, where like you just pop a few token, you, you pop a few Republic credits in the machine and take a scooter or take a speeder? Like, those things are why blast, is he? Though. Why is he always driving something different? Um, I know he, that he's the uh, he's the space Vin Diesel. Dude. That's he totally just, inconsequential. He just has tons of cars. Um, also, also who's on, the on the topic blue? of on the topic of speeders? Yeah, uh, Jimmy Schmidt, Bail Organa, whatever. Yes, his 
his speeder in that scene is so sick. It's awesome. And it? yeah, in the commentary, Lucas said <laughs> that it's modeled after some like you know American graffiti fifties car or whatever. Yeah, because of American graffiti. And I never noticed it before until he mentioned it. And that I got I paused it and looked at it and I was like, Yeah, I've always noticed cool. that it's it's really sweet. And on that, yeah, I, do I, they make those that look like Ferraris? I want to bring up another point. The uh, the escape pod that Yoda leaves Kashyyyk in is definitely too small for Wookiees. So what the heck is that for? <laughs> yeah, and at the same time, did they not have scanners that would have picked that up, you know, leaving the atmosphere and everything? Goodbye, Tarful. Goodbye, Chewbacca. Miss you, I will. Yeah, you, you, you definitely don't want to think too hard about this movie. Otherwise, you'll hurt yourself. But if you keep it surface level... It can be quite enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, I wanted I, I those, and again, that's a nitpicky thing I know, but it's like, wait, why? Why is this thing also like half, like very haphazardly hidden behind like two tree branches? <laughs> like it's 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 in it's in case the Kashyyyk planet core is gonna blow up and they need to send a baby to another planet. Oh, a baby so Wookiee. Yeah, so, yeah, so then that <laughs> that baby Wookiee can become super chewy. Like Chew L. What are you talking about? Yeah, um, that would be sick. Um, opening sequence, love it or hate it. That opening sequence is awesome. That space fight is really, really cool. I love it. Lo- it looks gorgeous, and it's the first time that a Star Wars movie. You know, we get the the normal pan down and everything. And you're just expecting one ship, yeah. and you get the two star fighters, and it's all subtle, and you see them fly over the uh, the top of that big freighter thing, and then it's just war and it looks awesome i love that it's actual it's like an actual naval battle too like we've only ever seen Mm -hmm. like small ships attacking big big ships but there's particularly that shot of like the two capital ships coming alongside one another and just like just like firing on all cylinders i thought that's a very that was a very nice touch like we got this you get it and i get also that it's what they're doing it's like again if this is like we talked about, I think, like the very first episode, we talked about a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Well, a long time ago to who? And like, so let's assume that we are living in this galaxy today, and this is almost like a documentary type thing. So it'd be like when we watch old school naval battles of like, you know, pirate ships exactly. coming alongside one another. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's exactly what Lucas said in the, the commentary. Oh, you really? Know, they were trying to figure out how these massive freighters would fight. It doesn't, like, they're obviously too big to be zipping around like, like starfighters and everything. Yeah. And so they can't really shoot each other from the front. So the most logical thing is have them pull up next to one another and just go to work and see see who who gets knocked out first it's very much like battleship i love it and like you see the the them reloading the cartridges and things mm-hmm. i thought that was super cool and i love that the universe that prequel the prequel universe is a different place from the original trilogy universe um i'm not sure that's a bad thing i think this movie comes the closest <coughs> of the prequels to actually showing us a galaxy at war where the others don't feel that way at all. But this one, you finally get a little bit of a feeling. And that's why I've said, this This is where I think the prequels should have picked up. Right here. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah. I, I agree. And like I said, I think it was in the episode one uh, episode. You know, I would be fine with seeing how the Clone War started. But we don't need to see, 
you know, 10 years before. We don't need to see right. the, the, the war or the battle or whatever that was a precursor to the Clone War. Yep. Let's just see what caused the Clone War and then jump straight into it. And it would probably be a lot cooler to see more of the Clone War. Right. Because that's another another problem that I have um, with these is, you know, in Attack of the Clones, you see it start. And then Revenge of the Sith, you see it finish. Yep. <laughs> and that's it. And, I mean, I get it. Like, there's the Clone Wars TV show for that and whatever, and it's canon. But... I don't know. I still there's something about seeing it in live action that I I think would be much cooler. So for yep. me, this opening sequence, it's kind of like the rest of the movie. There are parts of it that I love, parts of it that I hate. So some some things you talk about as far as yeah, the big big scale galactic battle is is very awesome to see. But things that I hate are basically like that whole that whole sequence with Anakin Obi Wan. I mean, first of all, you have like. Uh, R2-D2 and the buzz droid like duking it out and everything yeah I mean, that, I actually kind of like that I think it's funny I don't know that that whole exchange it just uh, it, it just it just seems like a waste of time and I guess for me it just it just doesn't work for me because it just almost gets too childish for the movie like we're having all these I mean we're just getting into it but I guess knowing how serious the rest of the movie gets, it's just like a little off-putting that we have this childhood humor. Kind of reminds me of like BB-8 in The Last Jedi yeah. to uh, bring that movie up again. Yeah, but, I know what you mean. And then it's also funny too that uh, you know Anakin to get those missiles off his back, he spins because you know spinning is a cool trick. Yeah, God. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching, you know, kudos to the red letter media guys because I think we've all been very much affected uh, by their takes on Star Wars. But I was watching this time, and I've never noticed until they pointed it out. But the the thematic similarities between the opening sequence or the the that big opening fight with Palpatine in the observatory, and then like Palpatine from the throne room at the end of Return of the Jedi, um, it's definitely similar, and it. And as they point out, it is weird because it doesn't feel the same. There's just some odd stuff happening there. What always stands out to me in that scene is just, again, going back to the CGI. Because, yes, I agree with Jake's. There, there are some bad uses of CGI throughout this. And one of those is uh, Dooku doing his front flip off the uh, balcony or whatever. Yeah. Which was entirely digital. And for that matter, that entire fight. And totally unnecessary. Um, yeah, that entire fight, actually none of that is christopher lee he was not for whatever reason like they, they had him for one day to shoot that whole scene hmm. and for whatever reason he was having some sort of like physical problem and physic was physically like struggling to fight so the entire thing is a body double and that's why you see very little of his face but what you do see of his face CG'd looks on. like jelly yeah because it's it's cgi replacing the other guy's face yeah or yeah, it's which, a super tight I, I, shot yeah, which I, I can't really complain too much about that because, yeah, I mean, you can you can only do so much. The guy was like 150 at the time of this, so yeah, of course old. he isn't, can't, can't fight. But I think it's, it doesn't seem reasonable. I think it's weird that we never have a scene of either Obi-Wan or like Mace Windu or Yoda confronting Anakin about what happened. And like having, we never get a scene to, to watch Anakin squirm about the fact that like he killed him in cold blood and of course you know i expect he would lie about it and say 
you know, he was uh, he was killed in the course of the fight. But I just think it's it's odd. I, that's a missed opportunity to me. If you know, we're going to focus on Anakin's transition to Vader. That's a that's a really big missed opportunity to see him like trying to justify that. Or again, so talk about the Jedi being complete morons. Like throughout this movie, it's really weird to me that there are so many things that the Jedi should should catch. Um, but they don't. And once again, they make the absolute worst decisions. Here we have, like, we know they keep talking about how sketchy Palpatine is. And we know for a fact that they don't trust the relationship between Anakin and Palpatine and that Anakin and Palpatine are very close. So when Anakin comes and tells them that Palpatine is, in fact, a Sith Lord, and they're like, okay, we're going to go arrest him. Um, and Mace Windu's like, we must move quickly. You go sit alone. <laughs> you go sit alone, and like, while we go take care of this, and it's just you like, should go home and rethink your life, dude. You, you don't leave people in a complete moment of crisis to go like, sit alone and ponder, um, yeah. on what's happening. It's just, ugh, it's crazy making. Now, sort of, you know, relating to to him sitting alone and all that I know that I've already sort of trashed Hayden Christensen's performance um, that said I do think there are parts where he really sells the whole idea of you know sort of reckoning with what he's done um, per- the shot that stands out to me is um, when he's on Mustafar after he's slaughtered the Trade Federation and whatever and he's standing there overlooking the lava and there's like there's one tear running down his face before Padme lands yeah. and like he just has this this look on his face of like it's like he he knows he's lost and he knows that there's nothing he can do about it and he's sort of mourning for himself and I think that is is pretty brilliant and he did a good job selling that which maybe is because he just didn't say anything (laughs) (laughs) that's terrible (laughs) like if as long as he just doesn't use words he's pretty good (laughs) that's awful um but you're right that's just his delivery it's it's his delivery man like i've seen him in one other movie other than star wars and i think he had like two lines and both of them were just like yeah i've seen him in two other movies and and i did not like him in either one um yeah it's anakin skywalker is already a really complicated character and a really tough character i think um and i think you would have had to have been a really brilliant actor to pull off that character and um you know obviously with these movies there was a real lack on on the directing on the you know producing everything about them needed some help um but yeah that i will say though and, and that's a and that's to me, what you just said is kind of once again these movies, and this movie particularly in a microcosm, is that I watch it and I go like, man, the potential once again was right there. Like it was, the movie was right there. And 
some more tweaks, maybe some more discipline and some on the front end saying, Hey, let's not do this in CGI. Let's, but let's do this and let's cut this and whatever. Once again, like I watch it and now that I'm older, I feel like I see George Lucas's brilliance and I see his grand plan and it's right. It's so close, but it, it falls short. It falls short once again. It's definitely better. This I tell you, it's like it feels like this is the one he was wanting to do, and like he had to. It feels like he made one and two because like he had to. But then you watch this one, and this one feels more like he enjoyed it. He liked it, and this was like he wanted to be working on this movie. He wanted to make this movie, and the others feel like mandatory, you know, exposition or background. Yeah. Yeah, because all of the weight is in this movie. Yeah. Like, this movie is carrying all the setup for the original trilogy on its shoulders. Yeah. The other two, uh, you know, like I said, episode one is a precursor to the Clone Wars. Episode two functions solely to start the Clone Wars and to start on the, the whole, you know, path of, of developing Anakin and, you know, start really shoving those tragedies down his throat with his mom dying and all of that but this movie has so much pressure because he has to turn the clone wars have to be fought and you know ultimately end the galaxy has to be completely changed by the republic turning into the empire you know sidious has to be outed as the main villain like this movie had to do virtually everything and i think it might have the whole trilogy might have benefited if maybe he'd broken it up a little bit. Yeah. Which, speaking of that, um, I think we would be remiss to talk about Revenge of the Sith without touching on that that big grand lightsaber fight that we waited, you know, 25 years for. Um, you know, I will say that like the pod race scene, that fight drags on a little too long. Yeah. But it is it is the spectacle that we wanted it to be, and it's cool. And that's one thing that blows my mind is with all of the mindless CGI in this movie, that entire fight. You know, obviously the the spaces in which they're fighting are CGI, CGI. But that's a hundred percent Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen the entire time. They did all their own stunts. Yeah, they're they're actually you know fighting that quickly and everything. That's insane. That isn't. They're also pointlessly spinning their lightsabers at each other. <laughs> I hate that yeah, one shot. That, that <laughs> quick little frame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like what? What are you? It's like what, what are you doing? Because windmill. And, and that's one of the problems that I have with that fight. Because, because honestly, to me, watching it this last time, I didn't think it was. It goes on for too long. Yes, but it wasn't as long as I remembered it being. Like, for some reason, I felt like it carried on for ages, but this time it, it wasn't that bad. However, like I said, it does go too long. But also, like, there are times where it seems like they should have been able to kill each other or hurt each other well before we got to the end of it. I mean, you have numerous times where they're jumping around and, and things like that, and they just kind of pull their punches or something just for the sake of letting the, the spectacle carry on for a while and... And and I and that and to me that's kind of what the shame of the movie is is that you have like, you know that that first three quarters of the movie that sets a certain tone, 
of almost restraint in a way. And then you get to the end, that last quarter, and all restraint's gone. Because you have that mm-hmm. lightsaber going on between those two. You have the other lightsaber battle going on between Yoda and Palpatine that then, you know, turns into a force power battle. And it just, like I said, it just really devolves for me at that point to where, yeah, my brain just shuts off. And I'm like, yeah, I'm done with this for now. Like, let's just skip to the actual meaningful stuff. Um, so it's really just a shame. I remember when I was a kid, I had a book. I, th- I think I talked about it in one of the episodes already. Um, but I had this book that kind of was was a like a, not behind the scenes, but it it gave extra info and background info about some of the folks. And I remember it saying that Vader had to be in the suit because when he turned on Obi Wan, he was you know overtaken by lava or something, and it burned him. And all that to say, I had always imagined that fight being extremely intimate and extremely personal. And I, I don't disagree. It, it is a pretty amazing spectacle. And the fact that they're doing all their own stunts, that's incredible. And it makes sense because they are these two, you know, highly, um, highly trained and, and highly, you know, experienced war veterans at this point. But I've always imagined that that would feel more intimate and more emotionally tense. Like, I, I always imagine it feeling more like the duel between Luke and Vader on the second Death Star than it does in the actual movie. And I'm not saying that one way is right and one way is wrong. Um, but I think I would have liked to have seen more, less... The fighting is amazing. The action is amazing. But like we were saying earlier, and like Nate said, maybe less action and more just letting that all sink in. And I think that's one thing that Return does so well is you have those moments where Luke is hiding and, you know, Vader's kind of wandering around looking for him and kind of taunting him and, you know, kind of getting into his head a little bit. And I would have liked to have seen, like, I would have liked to have seen Anakin ask Obi-Wan to join him. Like, Obi-Wan, join me. We can, like, I'm trying to bring peace to the galaxy. Let's overthrow mm-hmm. the Emperor, Obi-Wan. Like, you and me. We can, instead of instead of being just like this totally illogical, hate-fueled guy that Anakin is in that moment. Because I feel like the logic is that I'll join the Sith. I'll join Palpatine. I'll be able to save Padme. I'll end the war. The galaxy will be at peace. People will stop dying. And like, all, I can help solve all these problems. And so I would like to see Anakin, you know, ask Obi-Wan to join him and they could, they can rule together and they can over, you know, they can defeat Palpatine. And of course that kind of flies in the face of the relationship that Palpatine and Anakin have, I guess. So I do understand that, but I just feel yeah, like but, that, but who cares? That that would be so much cooler, and and, and you would be heart wrenching, and mm-hmm. exactly, and and you know, but granted, part of this is coming from just my love for the character of Obi Wan Kenobi, but that would be an awesome opportunity to show how pure Obi Wan is at heart, yeah. because you know, as soon as Anakin's like, "Come on, join me, we'll kill Palpatine, we'll take over everything." Obi-Wan's not going to say no to that. 
you know, his allegiance is to the Republic, to democracy, right. as he says. So, you know, I, I think that 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 scene with Anakin dying and, you know, Obi-Wan yelling at him or whatever, which I think that's a great performance from Ewan McGregor. But we get a little bit of that and, you know, we can still see like, all right, this is Obi-Wan is the ultimate hero, but it would be it, it, it is a huge missed opportunity that that Anakin doesn't try to convince him to join him because all he says it, you know, he has one line where it's if you're not with me, you're again, then you're against me or then you are my enemy. And then, yeah, they jump straight into fighting. He makes no effort to actually try to, yeah. to convert Obi-Wan or anything. And I think that would be really cool to see because, yeah, like I said, Obi-Wan's obviously going to say no. So he could just, again, show how great a character or for, great a hero Obi-Wan or is. Or for Obi-Wan to, to say, Anakin, like, I know about you and Padme. I know about the babies. Like, we'll figure this out. Come on, like, yeah. we'll, like we'll figure, yeah, like we'll figure this out. You screwed up. It's cool. Like, we'll work it out. Yeah, we'll work <laughs> it out. Like, stop. It's so it's going to be okay. You haven't gone. You, you're not beyond back in walking this thing back yet. Like, we, we can we can fix this. And then to and then to watch Anakin struggle with that and be like, God, like I really do want to fix it, and I, I really do. I would love to go backward 24 hours and like undo all of the terrible mm-hmm. things I have done. To, if we could see that play out, I, I just think I, I had always imagined that going differently and feeling more like two people who really care about each other. Um, like that's you, you, you know, you hate the most the people that you love the most, and the fact that that just the fact that it launches into just a full blown fight from the, you know from the word go um again I, the, the fighting is cool i would just like for it to have been a little more intimate from a story perspective and just from a mm-hmm. I, I feel like that could have been more heart wrenching which is really yeah. kind of what it should have been yeah it, and it, it would have done exactly what that final scene between the two of them was trying to do yeah. you know it's that that scene the whole p- purpose of that scene is you know you are my brother anakin i love you like that whole thing is to rip your heart out and it would have probably done so if the whole fight had been the same way yeah if you know you you had seen or you know they they had better shown this you know, brotherly relationship that these two men had to where and how much they loved each other to where it was almost, they were reluctantly fighting each other. Cause I mean, you even exactly. have Obi-Wan exactly. say to Yoda, like, I can't kill him. Like he's my brother. I just, I can't do it. You need to go instead. So, but you see no reluctance at that point. They just, yeah. they just unleash themselves on each other. And I like to see Anakin follow, you know, make a logical case. One that like, look, but look, Obi Wan, like I, I, I've killed the separatists. Like, I've killed them. They're done. Aren't you we've sick been, of fighting? Right. We've won. We've won. I, I did it. And now, like, now that I've got what I need, um, and like, I, I need to. We need to save Padme. But you can help me. Like, if there's anybody who can help me save her, I, I know that you can. Anyway, it, that could have just been, I, just a really really emotional moment um that i think it gets lost a little bit and it's cool don't get me wrong it's it's a cool fight um it's just not exactly yeah, I, I think if I, if i were you know given all of that i think if i were to rate that fight i'd probably give it like a six maybe six and a half out of ten yeah 
may, maybe seven if I were feeling really generous. But yeah, I think there are a lot of missed opportunities there to show the closeness of these two characters. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the other important battle from the movie. The one between Mace Windu and Palpatine before Anakin turns and betrays them. <laughs> I have a better idea. We could just oh. not. <laughs> like, yeah, Samuel L. Jackson with a lightsaber. Basically. Cool. Yeah. Seeing him fight. Cool. That, Unlimited that, 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 power. That furious facial expression he makes when their lightsabers lock up. Please. Sick. Don't kill me. But then let's just stop there. Like Samuel L. Jackson is Mace Windu, like ten out of ten. Yeah. That whole fight really tempted to knock a few points away from him and none of it's his fault. None of it's his fault at all. Yeah. I think one th- and one more thing that I that I find kind of annoying <laughs> is I feel like we spend an inordinate amount of time in the Imperial Palace. In in particular that one room like where his office is like yeah. and, and for that final fight to happen there i get why it happens there and it's fitting and and all that's fine i just find it kind of annoying like in this this amazing universe in this amazing city in this amazing palace like we spend a whole lot of time in that room yeah that's yeah, it another been cool to see them fight in like the opera house or something well, that's yeah. another grievance i have is you have you also have in this movie a lot of these like little scenes that take place in like a minute or something like that and one of them is the scene where Anakin comes to Palpatine's office like and also has this and it also has just like a very abrupt transition like all of a sudden boom we're here they're walking and then they start talking for a minute about how you know I guess Grievous is on due to power whatever and it takes like a minute and then we move on to the next scene yeah. and that's mm-hmm. it but it takes place in that office and yeah, so the so again it goes back to some of those flaws that are definitely uh in present in this movie for sure. And I'll say the opera house is one of my favorite scenes from the whole movie. I thought that was extremely creative and it was a good idea and I I just thought that was cool. That that was a nice touch to me. And apparently that whole uh that whole set was thrown together extremely quickly. Uh it was in the commentary, I don't remember hmm. um exactly what the what the circumstances were around it but yeah the guys at ilm like threw that together in like one night that wow. that uh setting which is really really cool is that why it's just and like yeah, just, mitosis yeah and just the whole story of of including the story of darth Plagueis, i think is really cool because it's sort of it gives the sith some history that we haven't gotten previously so you see like oh this isn't just you know palpatine didn't just become a villain and adopt some name for himself you know this is this is something that has been going on for a long time because you know in episode one we get the the quick line it's kind of a throwaway but you know the sith have been extinct for a millennia yeah and that's That's a good point but we don't don't they're not just this faceless bad guy anymore like they yes they do have that history. They have been around before. They're not just the new kids on the block. Also, exactly. that they're not just like blanket bad guy who only have bad guy powers. Like it makes them kind of this more interesting entity. The fact that they can give life and preserve life, yet they're the bad guys. And like here, you have the good guys, the Jedi, who apparently 
not from a Jedi. So it's like, there are a lot of things that I do appreciate that Lucas did that I think we take for granted. Um, and that's one of them that, you know, the Sith could have been a, that could have been handled way worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the Sith aren't, yeah, just these, these plain bad guys. And yet in that final battle with Yoda, Palpatine devolves into just a cackling bad guy. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I was about to say uh, they don't become like cartoon bad guys, but then, but then like Palpatine does become. But then he does, yeah. And then like Anakin <laughs> literally slaughters children, so like he does become pretty one-dimensional. So I hate well, you. On on the topic of Master bad guys, Skywalker. I know we're running. I know we're running a little long, so wrap this up. But uh, thoughts on Grievous? Like him? Love him? Hate him? So, I guess I'll take this time to say how I despise, well, not despise, but I'm disappointed by Grievous because having watched the original Clone Wars series that came out before the movies came out, R.I.P. Grievous was such, was so B.A., man. Like, just such a cool, like, menacing presence. So if you and haven't all seen of that it... that is suddenly taken away by uh, bronchitis. Like, if you haven't <laughs> which, seen it, you have to actually... watch his first appearance in that series because, man, the suspense, the build-up, like, he takes on how many Jedi? Like, six Jedi at once and just demolishes them all by himself. He's so menacing, so yeah. threatening... And it continues on through the rest of the second half of the series. And then he shows up in this movie, and he's like, yeah, this mustache-twirling coward who runs away from fights. and Bumbling, even, I would say. Kind of a bumbling, Mm -hmm. incompetent. Yeah, which confuses me because, uh, and I could be mistaken but it seems like i remember in the commentary lucas pointing out that you know he wanted him to be sort of sort of cowardly i don't remember the reasoning for it though but yeah i mean like you said in that original clone Wars show like he was so cool he was terrifying and yeah now he's without that being canon or anything yeah he's just kind of like oh he's a pretty weak villain is what it yeah, is. Yeah, this weak. robot that this this cyborg guy that has four arms for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> and then, then he quickly gone. gets dispatched by Obi Wan. Yeah. And I mean I think there are elements to him that are cool. You know, the whole thing with him being a cyborg, still having a beating heart, still having the cough. You know, that that's meant to sort of not humanize him because he wasn't a human, he was an alien. But you know, you, you see that there is life there. Um, so that's a cool idea, but even yeah, though I just think, you have plenty of I droids he, that have personalities as well, like you literally have one droid that's like, "Excuse me," as he passes by and everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I think Grievous could have been executed much better. He looks awesome, stupid um, little astro you know, droid. And you know, like you said, he in that in that Clone Wars series, he's so cool. And then in the movie, they just sort of. I don't want to say they butchered him, but they just let him go to waste. Oh, the one weird. thing that I saw this time that was cool is inside his cape where he keeps the lightsabers, he has, like, magnets to I hold them it. in there to keep them from falling out. I never noticed that mm-hmm. before. But, like, it always it's wondered, like, 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 how like did Batman. they stay in there? But, oh, he's got magnets. Well, that actually <laughs> makes sense. I really like well, the sound that his minions make, too. Yeah. 
the like well, and, whirling and sound. Grievous is also sort of an indirect George Lucas cameo because the coughing is Lucas. He had he got bronchitis while they were making the movie, and so they recorded like oh. however many minutes of him just coughing to throw into <laughs> Grievous's dialogue. <laughs> That's really bizarre. I think Grievous is really weak. I don't understand his character. Um, I don't understand why killing or capturing him ends the war. That doesn't make any sense because, like, they've killed all the other Separatist leaders and that didn't seem to change anything. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, he's not the big bad. So, yeah, and also, it doesn't make sense. Wasn't it pretty obvious that Grievous was on was on Utapau considering he was in a giant, like, command ship ball thing just sitting there on the side of the cliff and everything? I mean, mm-hmm. all everyone yeah. had to do was just kind of pass by. And it's like, oh, yep, he's here. Let's call in the reinforcements. Like, <laughs> the whole series of events after that didn't really make a whole lot of sense. But Yeah, yeah, but we get that great, uh, hello there. Hello and there. And it sounds just like Alec Guinness, and it's so brilliant. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Ian McGregor's the best. It's true. Well, well, gentlemen, any last thoughts on Revenge of the Sith? Um, I'm genuinely sad to see our Star Wars series ending. I'll say that. Um, it's really been a lot of fun, and I've enjoyed going back and rewatching the movies, kind of with fresh eyes and with a new perspective. And I definitely walk away from the prequels with a softer heart for them. And I can see that there was more genius there than I think a lot of people have given George Lucas credit for. And um, I can see his vision, I think, now. And it was it was close to being executed. And um, I just, I really enjoyed it. These movies mean a lot to a lot of people, and they mean a lot to me, and the story means a lot to me. And, and uh, I'm sad that we're, that we're wrapping it up, but it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun, and they're still better than the new movies. So I, I like Revenge of the Sith. That would be my final thought about this movie in particular. I like this movie. Um, there are things about it that suck, but by and large, I really enjoy it. I find myself immersed in it when I watch it. I find myself emotionally attached and like find myself getting very tense at times for the characters and for things that are happening. I find myself, you know rooting and just like wishing something is going to go a different way and um i think this movie does the best job of the prequels servicing um the saga and the the people these characters that we love and uh i like it yeah like you said um i found myself when i went back and rewatched the movie again um and I, and I do it every time, you know, as much as as many problems as I do have with Hayden Christensen's uh, performance in this movie in particular. I still part of me really, really wants to like Anakin. And so every time I watch it, part a small part of me inside is like, I know it's going to happen. But what if it doesn't this time? Like, what if he just doesn't go bad? Because. Yeah, I mean, as as rough as as his performance is and as rough as he is as the character i still 
it's just sold enough that I'm still rooting for him a little. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, doing this whole this whole podcast series has been a blast. And you know, I've said for a long time that I'm I'm the one person who doesn't hate the prequels as much as every other you know Star Wars super geek. And um, actually, going back and rewatching them has probably made them worse for me rather than better um but that said um i think it's it's beneficial you know now i can probably have a better conversation about them rather than just trying to blindly defend them and you know despite all the flaws like these are my childhood yeah like i these are the movies that i saw in the theater when i was a kid so i'm always gonna have a soft spot and you know like i've been saying episode one flaws galore but i still love that movie and it's still special to me and you know regardless of all the stupid decisions that that went into these movies they're always going to be important to me regardless yeah so i'm i'm definitely in the same boat as alex where i definitely have a greater appreciation for the prequel uh movies after going through all this so it's been it's been a lot of fun for sure just really rehashing it all and yeah taking a deeper dive into it and then yeah talking about it and really hashing it out so but this is not the end we do have the grand finale where we're going to go head to head and uh you know get a little competition in there so i hope you boys are ready uh, y'all gonna get them asses kicked though <laughs> The gauntlet so has been thrown dude, down. I'm, I'm going to get so competitive, dude. <laughs> like, I, I try my best not to be a competitive person. Like, sports are not top of my priorities in life because I just don't care that much. But It's not like yeah, you're a you nerd wanna, or you wanna, anything you wanna, you wanna who isn't good at, at sports or anything, right? You, you want to come at me and try to tell me you know more about Star Wars than I do. Like, all right, dude, let's throw down. Let's see what you got. All I know is when I win... I'm just going to say, surprised? <laughs> I'm just going to cackle like Palpatine. Unlimited <laughs> the power. <laughs> um, All right. Cool. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I look forward to winning. I better not say yep. that because this is documented. If I get my butt kicked. <laughs> I have to have a response episode where we take back comments, but no, actually, I don't know. We might have a little little surprise at the end after our uh, our trivia showdown. That is true. That is true. There's might 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 have a tiny little surprise because I have a lot of extra thoughts that we have not covered. I do too. That kind of tie into all the movies, so it didn't quite fit into one particular episode. So. there might be some bonus content coming down the line as well. And so, uh, just, j- just wait to see what we do next. That's true. Because it's not, it's not going to end with Star Wars. We've got more more to come down the line. So, You gentlemen have a good evening now, you hear? All right. Yep, that'll do it. So I will see you guys on the battlefield, Star Wars trivia. Stay tuned, and we'll see you all next time. Can I go back to eating my pralines? <laughs> yes, and whoever has the snoring pug, you can. You don't have to disturb them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>